I started by saying, let's get weird. Let's get weird. This should be an interesting one because we're already weird starting out because both of us are kind of a mess uh, energy-wise right now. Yeah, it's a pretty accurate description. I've had like no more than five hours of sleep any night for the last, God, nine or 10 days just because of the stuff I'm doing in the political arena and it's election time, so I'm neck deep in it. I do not envy that. I do not envy that. I'm... I mean, I feel like I'm, I've been getting a fair amount of sleep every night, but I'm just wiping myself out every day. It's got to be a good thing, right? No, it's a little bit over the line, to be honest. Awesome. I, have to, I have to get ahead a little bit. I'm, you know, there's, there's floating on the water and then there's like struggling to get to the surface. Right now I'm struggling to get to the surface. So it's a little too busy. And I think you've already named this episode. Struggling to get to the surface? Yeah, that pretty accurately <laughs> describes both of our current situations. So that's about right. I think naming the episode is like a, like a game. I wonder, you know, in the future, if people will be able to guess what we're going to name the episode. Yeah, I, I, I almost want to put that out as a challenge, um, you know, prior to us naming. Well, not like anyone's going to hear it before it goes out. but Yeah, we'd have to put out a challenge on social media first. Yeah. You know, by the way, speaking of social media, and since everybody's still here and hasn't t- hopefully haven't tuned out yet, <laughs> you know what I brought back to life is our Reddit. Oh, really? Yeah, because I feel like uh, this show, focused on weird things, is a really good thing to have a Reddit for. You know, like if listeners out there, I know there's still a few of you that are there. There are only a few of you because we're just starting this up again. But if you guys find weird stuff, throw it on the Reddit. The Reddit is random badassery pod, all one word. Throw it up there and then uh, Lamb and I will hopefully see it. And who knows? Maybe it'll end up in an episode. So. Cool way for us to kind of start working with the audience in some way. Sure. The reason it popped in my head was because I got this email from Patreon, which the holy, there's another thing that I'm behind on. The holy fool Patreon is something that I need to bring back to life and start figuring out what I'm going to offer to people other than content that I'm making, that we're making now that you're part of this again. But one of the things is they just, they introduced a integration with Reddit. So. That put Reddit back on the top of my mind. Where I'm, I mean, uh, Patreon back on the top of my mind. Both, actually. <laughs> what am I saying? See what I mean? I'm falling apart already. Man. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're two trains on two different tracks that are falling off the tracks that are eventually going to collide. <laughs> it's all right. As long as, as, long as we do something inter- entertaining, and I think other than us uh, stumbling over our words, we'll be all right. We'll be all right. We could always mainline some coffee and then be miserable. Somehow, I feel like it's going to make for a better episode. I don't know. I remember in the past that every time we go into an episode saying something like that, it would end up being one of our favorite episodes. Yeah, of course. I think something about that breaks down a wall. Although I, I, the topics back then were just so different. Now we just talk about whatever the hell we want. I did, I, I'll probably cut out the part where we were talking before because it doesn't make sense to the audience, but we're kind of not sure where to start today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've got all of these cards, you know, like I was trying to copy down notes from something. I've been watching a couple. There's a TV show that I would recommend to everyone. And in some way, probably every episode of it will make it into one of these episodes. It's called Conspiracies. 
and it's on Netflix. It's only, I think, six or seven episodes, and it's only one season, as far as I know. And it's it's just it's really well done. It's um, a lot of the conspiracy shows are kind of like, even though I like watching them, they're kind of cheesy and hokey, and you kind of you get the feeling that you're being bullshit, bullshitted. Is that a word? Sure. Bullshit. I mean, we're 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 off the rails on this one anyway. So make away. It has more of a professional feel to it. I mean, I kind of think that I'm not going to talk about it now because I haven't watched the episode recently. But I kind of think the whole theory of uh, the moon landing being fake is one of the total bullshit conspiracy theories. I don't actually believe that one. I think there's too many damn people involved for you to get away with it. But if you watch the episode of Conspiracies on that, there are a couple of things in there where I was like, oh, I have no answer for that. And uh, I will rewatch it and bring those up in a future episode. But for those listening, go watch that show. You know, it's, it's, it's a good show. Have you seen it, Lamb? Um, I've seen it flick around on Netflix. Like, I mean, I, I, I used to watch shows like that purely for entertainment value at some point in my life, but I haven't dove back into any of them. Um, although that one seems really interesting. So I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to give that one a shot. And it's pretty easy to, to digest. I, uh, I don't even think, cause I already watched it through one time, like a year ago or whatever. Every once in a while now I'll just pop in and watch one. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. There's one of these cards that I've got in front of me that, came from watching an episode of that show. And then I just did some research afterwards because I was interested. I guess I should talk about that card then. But um, do you have anything you want to start with? Do you want me to jump into a card? Uh, go ahead and jump into a card. I have two random... Mine is going to be very question-based today. They're more like thought experiments. So uh, why don't you start? Okay, well, technically, this one's a question. Did Hitler die in World War II? So there's... Have you heard this theory? Yeah, I have. I've heard a few different theories surrounding... Um, Hitler in Argentina and a bunch of the Germans that ended up in Argentina post-World War II. Yeah, thank you, Catholic Church, for that one, huh? Yeah. Um, but so basically, for anybody who doesn't know, that seems to be, and there's uh, fairly good evidence that Hitler did not die in the bunker in World War II. There's actually a show on History Channel that I watched, but I didn't, you know, it's one of those shows that you watch, but you're kind of doing other things. So you, you think about it, you're like, oh, did I actually learn anything from that show? No, I wasn't paying attention but it's called Hunting Hitler. I think they did two seasons. So I'll probably go back and watch that. But here's the basic thing. The official story is that Hitler and his new bride, Ava Braun, they were down in the bunker. And basically when kind of things started going to pot, they say that uh, Braun took a cyanide capsule and then Hitler shot himself in the head. Some say he had cyanide in his mouth too. I don't know. It's kind of weird that they have this theory because here's the funny part. They didn't find the bodies. <laughs> so I don't know where they got those theories. I, I assume it's probably word of mouth. You know, they, they were trying to claim that people had seen their bodies. Um, basically, he knew he was losing the war. And that's the theory that almost all of us out there grew up learning. Now, here's the thing. The other part of the story is that afterwards, when... The bunker, when the Russians um, broke into the bunker, the Russians, and I believe also at some point the English, but I'm not positive on that part. But when they finally busted into the bunker, first of all, they found a body, looked like Hitler. Um, Turned out it was a body double. There was apparently a lot. Hitler had many, many, many body doubles. His last public appearance where he was like pinning, like uh, I, I think it was iron crosses on soldiers. 
it's rumored that it wasn't even him at that ceremony that he had someone else doing that for him. Yeah. But the first body they find is him. There's actually video of this. If you go watch this episode on, on conspiracies, you can see video, like actual real archival video of this body. And you can see it, it looks like Hitler's got the stupid ass mustache, <laughs> <laughs> the horrible hair. But it also doesn't look like it. When you look at it, you're like, it looks a little weird. And then it turns out it's not him. So the, the official story goes, that's what happened. You know, he's dead. And supposedly when they went into the bunker, they found the actual bodies and they had been burned in a pit. So somebody had taken them and burned them in a pit. And I, I, I might have missed the part where they made it clear whether this was the Germans or the Russians that had burned these bodies in the pit. I say if it was the Germans, why the hell would they do that? And also, if it was the Russians, why the hell would they do that? You think they would want to parade Hitler's body? And say, you know, we killed this bastard. Here's, here's his body and maybe put his head on a stick or something like that. Um, but neither of those things were done. Actually, at the time, Stalin didn't believe that Hitler was dead. Yeah, I read that too. He was going all over the place saying he escaped. And uh, the FBI, we just found this out recently, the FBI didn't believe it either. They have a huge, huge file of like 50 different leads um, running down possibilities of what happened to Hitler. So. We go all of these years, we go 23 years of them saying Hitler died, but we didn't find his body. And then mysteriously, 23 years later, the KGB goes, actually, we have his body. We've had it the whole time. Mm, dubious. This is, this is beyond strange because it doesn't make any fucking sense. You're the KGB. You've got the body. You don't tell anybody, including Stalin. Why wouldn't you tell Stalin? Why would you let him make an ass of himself? You know, all over the, well, to them, making an ass of himself, to us, we were probably glad he was. But why would you, would you let, you know, the quote, I don't know if they called him the great leader, that's more of a North Korea thing. But why would you let your supreme commander or whatever go around saying that, they, that he thinks that Hitler's alive when you have the body? Sounds like bullshit to me. Did you, did, did the, did the show awaken this in you or had you had a, an interest in it prior to? Well, having watched that Hunting Hitler show before, I kind of had an idea. I take a lot of stuff on the History Channel with a grain of salt because ever since the History Channel stopped actually making history shows, they've become kind of a bullshit propaganda channel. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the stuff that they, that they do on there is not actually historically valid anymore. Uh, so I, I actually took a, a fair grain of salt when I watched that Hunting Hitler show going... And this this might just be bullshit. But then when I watched this, and then I looked some things up, and I listened to a couple podcasts, and it's pretty. It's pretty, most of these facts that I've stated. Uh, everything I've stated so far is pretty much is is considered history now. Yeah, it's a verifiable fact. Yeah, including that in 2009, an American pathologist went over. So when the KGB claimed this had this body, they put it in like a museum. With all these other things, you know, like the Lugers and like uh, Nazi clothes and stuff. And all they basically had was um, a fragment of a skull with a bullet through it. And so this American pathologist goes over here and I don't know how he does it, but he convinces them, let me take a sample of this skull. So they let him do it. And he takes a sample of the skull. And guess what? Now, nobody has Hitler's DNA. So it's not like he's going, I have this. Does it match this? Nobody has that. 
because nobody knew what the hell DNA was in 1939. So he takes it and he, he just does like a basic sampling of the D- DNA. It turns out it is the DNA for a 40-year-old woman. Huh. So unless Hitler was hiding something that we don't know about, I'm pretty sure he was older than 40, first of all. Um, and Ava Braun was younger than 40, so it can't be Braun's body. So nobody has a body for Hitler. Now, here's where the theoretical stuff. Have you heard any of the... I mean, you mentioned Argentina, but have you heard the theories of how he got there? No. So basically, most of, most of the Nazis that made it, made it to Argentina and South America made it there because of the Catholic Church. Can't remember um, the exact specific logic behind it, but I think it was more that they were... The Catholic Church was more terrified of, the, of communism and of Russia than they were of the Nazis. Yeah, and since the Nazis and the communists were enemies, they figured they were feeding. You know, it's kind of like our uh, our problems with uh, pretty much everybody we've gone to war with the last forty years. They were our friends until they were our enemies. Apparently, there's all these tunnels that were leading out of the bunker. Somehow, he gets to a plane. He takes a small plane to Denmark, and then from Denmark, he takes a large plane to Spain. Um, because obviously he wants to get to Spain. Why? Because Franco's in charge of Spain and Franco's a fascist. So they're homies. They probably fist bump when he gets there. And then he takes, um, I'm not sure if it's a plane, but somehow he takes some sort of transportation to a place called Puerto de Ventura, which is a small little island. And from there, he supposedly takes a submarine for 53 days to Argentina. Huh. Now, on that show... They go into a lot of detail because a lot of that show, they're in South America. Um, they also go to Europe and they're looking into all of these stops on here, which um, these, these stops, the list of stops I just gave you, did not come from Hunting Hitler, the show. This came from the conspiracy show. So they're matching up on that timeline together. But when, when they go down there, they find a lot of evidence. I'll go into it more when I, when I watch the show. But there's a, a lot of this stuff also comes from a man named Gerard Williams who wrote a book called Grey Wolf. And uh, it's, I want to read that book too. It's not crazy. You know, like Lamb said, that the Nazis did go to Argentina, but it wasn't just random Nazis. All of the top Nazis made it to Argentina pretty much. Mengele, Dr. Mengele, the one doing all the terrible experiments. Guess what? He made it to Argentina. Eichmann, before he was captured and put on trial, you know, kidnapped by um, the Israelis and put on trial, was living in Argentina. Mengele actually died there of a heart attack. I think Mengele died of a stroke in Brazil and he drowned. Um, I remember that. I don't know why I remember that so well. Because um, Mengele, Mengele, this is going to sound horrible, but I was fascinated by um, the Nazis that had escaped. And in particular, you know, the, the, the interesting thing about the, the Eichmann case was. Um, that they pursued him, the, the Mossad pursued him really, really hard, but they didn't do that for Mengele. Mengele, they, they kind of dragged their feet a little bit and were, were with, with Eichmann, they were very aggressive in pursuing him. And I wonder if that was the case, given that, that there was still um, evidence that Hitler was still alive, why the Mossad didn't go after him as hard as they did Eichmann. I have a feeling maybe it had something to do with evidence. Sure. You know, maybe they had less against Mengele, so they're like, mm, let it go. Um, although I, I mean, I doubt they said, let it go, but <laughs> you get the gist. Yeah. yeah. I just looked it up. Right. You're right. He did make it to Brazil. Yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember that. And I, I think he drowned or something like that. 1979. 
he had a stroke while he was swimming. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah, that sounds right. So that's 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 my my current. Uh, you know, of course, there's all these conspiracy theories of um, the Fourth Reich because there was all this this whole theory existed before all this. Like, if you look back at some of the the stories of the of the Nazis, they were preparing. God, I can't remember which of them was. One of them was in charge of preparing for the Fourth Reich, just in case, because they felt like the war wasn't going so well. So they were stacking away money to recreate what they'd already created, which is it's terrifying. And from what I remember, too, they weren't just stacking money, um, but there were operatives that were specifically told to, to sway political influence for when the time came. Um, and the weirder part of that, I don't remember where I, where I read this, but they were also stockpiling a bunch of art and random artifacts of the occult as well. Um, yeah. All kinds of strange stuff. Yeah, the, there was a whole... Um, the whole connection between the SS and the occult was really fascinating because the the rest of the Nazis were like against this stuff. You know, they were killing gypsies. Yeah. But then there was this whole division of the SS. I can't remember the name of it, but basically they got this castle that was supposedly the castle of the, you know, it's like there's a round table there. There's They're trying to like incorporate all of this stuff, but underneath there was like a... um like a circle for casting spells and stuff underneath this round table. It's, it's, I've, it's one of those things that I've run across so many times that I, it's all like crumbling in my head right now as I'm trying to articulate it. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's something that I really, I'm, I'm really fascinated by. Um, you know, I, I, I wonder how deep their connection was to the occult and what, that ultimately means for how and why the Third Reich philosophically became what it was, because it seems like it diametrically opposes um, what they they outwardly believed. Um, and and from what I remember too, a good number of the high ranking Nazis, including Hitler himself to a certain extent, was really into this occult stuff. Right. Well, I mean, look at the symbol and the the swastika is stolen. Yeah. You know that's a, that's a sacred symbol for people in um, is it India. Um, it's or Thailand. A, a Buddhist symbol of some kind. I don't remember the exact origin. It may not be a specific country, which is probably why I'm not able to pull it up. But yeah, but yeah, if you if you go to if you go to like Thailand and places like that, you're going to see these giant Buddha statues with swastikas on them. They're they're reversed though, from what I remember. So not all of them. They're backward. Oh, really? Yeah, not all of them. <laughs> wow, that's that's got to be weird. Yeah, there was a there was a kid in uh, when I was in high school who was, um, I don't know what religion he was, so sorry. I didn't know him. He was just happened to be in one of my classes. But he had drawn the, a swastika on his uh, notebook. He's not a white kid, so it's, uh, let me clarify that much at least. He wasn't a white kid. He was actually he was wearing um, a head wrap of some sort. I don't think it was a turban. Mm. And we're, we're digging back to like through 20, over 20 years of memory here, so sorry for... The lack of detail, but he uh, he had drawn swastikas on his on his notebook, and he got in trouble. You know, he got sent to the dean's office because they thought it's Nazi, and he had to explain to them. You know, like, no, this is like a religious symbol. They stole that shit from us. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Well, plus the um, the name Aryan does not refer to white people. That's stolen. You know, the, the, the people who live up in the Himalayas, the original people who supposedly come from the Himalayas are the Aryans. That's where that term comes from. They stole it from them too. I feel like, I feel like 
Hitler or some random uh, early member of the Nazi party had like a, a vacation <laughs> in, in Mongolia and just commandeered all of this stuff. You know, they're just roaming around Tibet and looking at symbols. <laughs> well, you know, it reminds me of his in the 80s when we had the satanic panic. And, you know, everybody thought, oh, there's satanic cults all over the place. Turns out, it was obviously, total bullshit just created by the media. What, what you did have because of that is you actually ended up with kind of like some of these um, pseudo uh, devil worshiping cults. And there was basically these, you know, dumbass, some dumbass fucking lonely guy who finds like four or five weird fucking books and, you know, just creates his own philosophy over random things he finds in these books that he doesn't even read. Oh man, I have so many things that I could lead into things that are, yeah, I'm going to save that for another time. Because then we're going to start talking about bullshit religions and that's going to be a whole different conversation. Well, it'd be hard to separate those two words for me. That's exactly right. That's the reason why I feel like that's an entire episode by itself, and we it would feel it would feel right to prepare for that one because I could I am just going to go crazy on that one. These connections between the the Nazi and the cult, the cult, the occult, uh, would be fascinating for us to look into further. You know, um, actually, Lamb, you know, want to hear something really funny? You're going to get some some really weird shit in this show coming up because so my grandfather. First of all, actually, before I go into this, is there something you wanted to share before I go off again? Oh, no, go off because mine is mine is very much along the same lines and just as weird. Okay. So my grandfather um, was, he only got like a, I think he only made it to sixth grade. He had sixth grade education because he had to go to work. He was born in, in, in the depression. So that's just the way things were. But he was uh, an avid reader, but I think because he never got to continue going to school. That pissed him off. So he read voraciously. He read anything he put his hands on. Uh, he would read every issue of Reader's Digest front to back. He would read uh, the newspaper every day front to back. And I mean the ads, everything front to back. Just he, the guy could not read enough. And uh, after he died, I, I live in his house. So after he died, I was going through some cupboards in the garage and I found, looks like there's about 25 of them. 25 of this magazine. It's a Reader's Digest size magazine, so it's shaped like a small book. And the magazine is called Fate. True stories of the strange and unknown. Oh, man. And I am going to read these. Man, that is, that is like gold for you. Well, what's great about this, too, is these are... Let's see if I can find a year. 1974. So <laughs> the validity on the stories that I'm about to read are probably really low. So they're going to make for really entertaining entertaining episodes and they're not i mean like here oh my god there's i'd say <laughs> 25 stories in each of them jeez um i'll just read the top the top five to give you maybe an idea the mystery in encombaro can fasting cure mental illness oh that seems actually pretty appropriate a restless spirit brought down the house what can transcendental meditation do for you and the day the Sphinx promised. Okay, actually, those didn't sound too bullshit, did yeah, they? That isn't too weird. I, I was expecting way stranger than that. I think I might have picked up the one that was <laughs> less weird because <laughs> some of them are a little bit stranger. Um, yeah, fascinating. To be real, though, if you were to read those titles 20 years ago, they would have sounded a lot weirder. Yeah, right? Like fasting is such a big thing right now. I mean, yeah, I fast every day. Yeah, and so is transcendental meditation. Yeah. 
Speaking of David Lynch. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder, I'm going to look right now and see if Fate Magazine still exists. And you said that was 1974? The issue that I'm holding. I don't know how long they were actually in business for. Holy cow. I wonder. Looks like they may still exist. Hold on. I'm looking at the... I'm going to look at the Wikipedia to see how long they were publishing. Let's see. They... Whoa. No kidding. Established in 1948. Wow. That is super impressive. Oh, they debunk stuff too. Subjects of such debunking articles have included Atlantis, Bermuda Triangle, and Amityville. Wow. They sound like uh, fairly legit, and it looks like they might still exist. Unless this Fate magazine that I'm looking at on the website. No, this is the same one. They still exist. Wow, they're almost 100 years old. Wow, time to subscribe. That's amazing. An 80-year-old publication? I didn't know such a thing could exist in this world anymore. Yeah, let's see what this... Wow. This is pretty incredible. Um, Yeah, since 1948. And you can go... They have an online PDF for one one issue for free. Wow, super cool. Let me see if they have a social media. We can plug them right now. The website's fatemag.com. Anybody that's interested in checking that out, you should because, man, if they survive that long, they're going to be doing something right. Right, Lam? I'm curious about the readership. I, 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 I've never even heard of this magazine before. And I feel like between you and I, concerning the weird rabbit holes we dive into, we would have discovered it even just by accident at some point. I know. I don't think they have social media. But apparently, they haven't moved too far into the, into the modern world. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's how they've stayed successful. So they've just remained underground and 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 just slow brew things over a long period of time. You know, cultivate belief or 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 cultivate a following slowly but surely. Oh no! Here we go. I found their Twitter. They have a Twitter. Um, no, no way. Yeah, it's a uh, Fate underscore magazine at Fate underscore magazine. Oh, following that one. You listen to them. Um, give them some love. They've been around since 1948. They deserve it. You know, it'd be incredible as if they had a podcast. That would be incredible. They definitely don't. Maybe we should be their podcast. That would be great. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be looking at that. I mean, I'm going to read all these old issues, but then I'm going to I'm following them on Twitter. Uh, yeah, they're they're going to be an integral part of this show. And you read the last three tweets they had? Yes. Let me uh, go back to the page where I'm looking at it. Is this show I'm allowed to look at the internet on? Um, I love this show, by the way. <laughs> Skipping retweets, um, and for the last, and for the last one day, funny Friday. Okay, that doesn't make sense. Number seven, a little something from the vintage news site. So they got something from a vintage news site, or the small town which claims to be the most haunted place. Dot dot dot. I can't read the rest. So they're they're actually pulling in stuff that fits. They're doing social media right. They're pulling in stuff that fits into their thing from other people's sites. And sharing them with their audience. Super cool. Number C, has, looks like they're doing some kind of countdown on their Twitter. Awesome. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I love it. Well, big learning lesson. So what, what, do you, what have you got on the docket, my friend? What kind of whatever weird stuff you want to pull from the top of your head? Let's go for it. It's our show. Not that many listeners. Well, I'm, I'm diving back to one of my core beliefs. Oh, man, this is going to be a weird one. I don't know if this is going to frame me as some kind of nut. Um, but actually, I kind of don't care anymore because I'm at the age where... If you, if, you thought I was, if you didn't think I was crazy before and you think I'm crazy now, then it doesn't really matter anymore. I'm just crazy to you in general. Um, so I think that there's, there's 
overwhelming evidence that humanity is much older than 10,000 years old. Hmm. That is interesting because there seems I've seen random things where they say that too. What's what what kind of stuff makes you think that? Well, the the first thing, you know, back in when I was in college, um, just because I didn't inherently believe in religions in general, um, I dove pretty deep in the theology just to kind of get a sense of of what the similarities were between all of the the deities and the the, the religions in general. Um, and what really fascinated me was creation myths and and the story of the flood and everything and how, you know, so many different cultures across the planet with absolutely zero relation to each other and no way to communicate with each other have such similar, very early stories. Uh, Once you get past a certain point, they all deviate pretty wildly. But the early, early, early stories, the, the, the before time as we know it stories in almost every religion include such similar, such similar events that I can't entirely ignore um, the possibility that some form of humanity might have existed before um, religions, which were the, the history keepers for a good portion of time. Religions, as we know it, define time as beginning. Um, and one of the biggest things that that I, I dove into was, was Atlantis, um, even though I think the name Atlantis by itself just conjures all these images of conspiracy theory nuts and people with tinfoil hats. You know, I can, I, I consider myself to be a pretty reasonable human being um, and, and, and a reasonably educated and reasonably smart human being as well. And I, I can't, I, it, there's, there's a particular spot um, in Northwest Africa called the eye of the Sahara. The, the moment you, you pull up the images to this, you'll see what I mean. That match so perfectly the descriptions of, of Plato's original description of Atlantis. Um, even though Plato's account of it wasn't even his account. It was a, an account of a, a, a many generations past relative of his, of the city itself. Um, but the similarities between not just the description of the city, but the exact measurements of the city are so precise to that spot in Africa um, that it, it kind of freaks me out a little bit. And it, it got me back into this rabbit hole. You know, for, for a long period of time, I, I kind of dismissed the idea because I, I thought, you know, Atlantis, come on. I mean, there's comic books about it. There's, there's fictional stories written by any number of both good and horrible writers about it. You know, as this fictional place that, that was a... a, a a culture before culture as we know it. And I dismissed it for probably, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 years of my life. And only recently did I start jumping back into it again. Um, because with more modern scientific evidence um, surrounding this particular geological formation, um, I can't deny the similarities between the, the Plato's descriptions and the, the, actual geograph- the, the actual geographical location itself. Well, look at um, Bimini Road. There's the, have you heard about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So for people listening, it's this offshore. Do you remember where, where Bimini is? Uh, I looked it up. Let me look it up. Is that Mexico? Bimini is, it's in the Bahamas. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah so that's right. There's a underwater structure in Bimini. They refer to it as the Bimini road. It, and science, official science says it's a natural formation. But people that go down and look at it say that it's kind of like completely squared off like bricks. So basically it looks like a road, like a brick, bricked road. Like this, if you guys could look up pictures of this, maybe I'll, I'll put up some pictures of all the weird shit that we've talked about in this episode on the blog. Um, and I'll, I'll include a link to that in the show notes. 
basically it looks like a road and it looks man-made. And of course, there's arguments going back and forth, people saying that the erosion created it or whatever. But if it's a road, then it had to have been built before the water was there, which means that you're going back further than than we know of history. Plus, there's the whole thing. I, I don't remember what the connection is, but in Turkey, there's that place called Gobekli Tempe. Yep. And apparently that has to do with the older civilization as well. And there's 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 examples of this um, in flooded areas of Egypt as well. But if you look at Machu Picchu's architectural structure, for example, um, and you look at it, my parents were there. Um, I've seen I've seen numerous pictures from friends who were there, and there is a a a very odd phenomenon in that um, the the foundation level of Machu Picchu is these perfectly carved rectangular pieces of stone that are massive in scale. Like, I mean, you know, I'm sitting in a room right now that's probably the size of one of those stones. Um, you know, they were 20 feet deep, um, somewhere, I think somewhere even larger than that. Um, but then on top of that, you have what is considered to be the newer Machu Picchu. And, and most of it is these smaller cobbled stones that were standard brick and mortar, um, not these perfectly cut giant rectangular pieces that you know, in, in, in essence, weighed tons, um, and how modern people would have, I mean, I'm even, even modern civilization can't figure out how that was accomplished. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, then the archeological, the archeological and architectural record don't match up, you know, the, the older civilization, uh, or the older rocks underneath could not have been produced by the same people that produced the structure on top of it. And there's a, numerous examples of that, not just in, 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 in ancient Mexico and, and South America, but also um, in various places in Egypt and the Middle East, as well as in, in Asia as well. So there's something, in my mind, it's, I want to accept the historical record as we know it. I really would like to, but I can't also divorce myself from, from just pure empirical evidence. And there's something that isn't matching up with what we define as the historical record and the actual historical record. Two things about that. First of all, um, one thing that I have personal opinion, like when it comes to, um, you know, like, oh, the, the people were able to do this and we're not able to do it now. I usually kind of poo-poo that stuff personally, just because I think that, you know, like, look at um, Alexandria, the library of Alexandria. It was the greatest collection. It's not mythical. That was a real place. Um, it was a collection of the greatest collection of human knowledge at the time. And it burned. And we lost almost all the books that were in there. We as in human civilization. And those books didn't exist anywhere else. So even just in that one place, how much knowledge was lost that's never been recovered. Um, or like you look at Easter Island, they had no idea how the Moai got all the way, the Moai are the big heads for those listening, how those got to the shoreline in the way that they did. And then recently they figured it out. Like, oh, if you do this with ropes and this will happen. Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I have a tendency to agree with you too. Um, just because we're not smart enough to figure it out doesn't mean that someone didn't figure it out at some point. Yeah, I, I think I just get uh, annoyed with when um, these guys on the History Channel will say things like that because it's like, Thinking it's assuming that primitive people, just because they were primitive, they were idiots. Sure, that they couldn't figure things out, um, and that that bothers me because I mean, when you there's a preponderance of evidence all across the globe that primitive people were pretty fucking smart. Sure, 
And, and, and they had a lot of fucking time on their hands too. Yeah, and it's not that I disagree with that from, from a fundamental perspective. Um, the, the reason why the sites that I'm talking about have particular interest to me is because it was very obviously built over by another oh, yeah. after. That's different. You know, I, totally. I, I agree with you. Like if we're looking at the, the pyramids of Giza, for example, yeah, I believe the humans could have done that. I, I think the humans, primitive humans could have made the Sphinx. You know what I mean? But to see a, a bedrock foundation built in a completely different structure and style as the above, that's very strange to me. That means that there's something about the historical record that we don't quite understand. And I think that you're right. You know, the, 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 the elaborated Alexandria is a good example of that, where I think that there is so much knowledge that has been lost over accumulated time that we'll never really truly get a sense of what the historical record actually was. Um, but, you know, for me, the, the reason why the rabbit hole was such a compelling one was because I was, I, I, I thoroughly believe that there has to be some kind of cataclysmic event that coincides with all of these creation myths. There has to be. Um, and early humans survived it, or at least a, 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 enough of them survived it to repopulate the earth. But I do believe that there's some correlation. There has to be some correlation there. Well, I, I definitely agree with you about Machu Picchu because. Um, I've seen things that have said that even the Incas, the Incas lived in Machu Picchu, but they'd never claimed to have built it. Yep. They said that it was, they they found it, basically. Exactly. Um, I think one of their myths said something like the gods built it in the night or something like that. Yep. Which kind of points to the whole alien thing. Yeah, that's (laughs) the one one that I fall back on all the time is that, you know, there is nowhere within the Incan historical record um, did they claim to make it. There are no, there are, there's no evidence of them, you know, like in Egypt, for example, you had, um, you had some hieroglyphs that, that, that demonstrated how they could have built some of the structures, but there's nothing like that in, in, in Incan history. And, and that's compelling to me, you know, um, there, there's, there's such a weird mythical, um, there's such a weird legend around Machu Picchu itself. And yeah, in, in almost everything that you, you read from Incan history, what, what they consistently say is that, it was built by the gods. Which these ancient alien guys always want to say is the aliens. But, you know, I have a very simple explanation or question, not an explanation, retort to that is if you're an alien in this spaceship that travels through, you know, light years of space that's presumably made out of some sort of metal and you've got all of this advanced technology, why the fuck would you build something out of stone? Because it lasts longer. Well, who says if you have the technology to travel? And second of all, why do they care if something lasts? You know, if you're flying across space and just building things and leaving them, what do you care if they survive? Yeah, I don't like, know. I mean, that's you tough. know, why wouldn't you build a paper hut and be like, it's gone when I'm done with it? Who gives a shit? That's what Amer- that's what Americans do. Well, that's tough though, because I mean, that's that means that that and and I I hear what you're saying, um, but I also I also have difficulty. I, I go back to the 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 genetic difference between us and like a chimpanzee, right? There's what a 5% genetic difference. And I, I think of how, how vast the difference is in consciousness and self-awareness is between a chimpanzee and a human. And I think, you know, what if there was a, a species, I'm not even talking about aliens. Like I'm not saying that I, I'm, I'm, I believe in aliens. I'm just saying that, you know, if, if that is in fact the hypothesis that we're going on, then the likelihood of us being able to understand the mind or the psychology of of a visitor from another planet is so 
they're the way they think of the universe must be so incomprehensible to us. Right. But then there's also the question of if they are so far different from us, which I agree with you. I mean, the diff- you look at the difference between us and ants. Sure. Um, we, don't, we don't think about ants like, hey, what's that ant doing? I wonder what that ant's thinking. Maybe I'll build a little house for that ant. We don't do that shit. And we are more genetically similar to ants than something from another planet would be to us. Sure. So they're so far vastly different than us. And if they are so far vastly different than us, then why is all the shit they built so well fit for people of our shape and size? But what if, what if, then there's, there's the other theory. I forget the guy who, who came up with that theory. But what if, what if all biological life eventually evolves to something similar to us? And that's just the way the, the evolutionary scale on, on a universal level works. It doesn't fit with, with physics of other planets. Oh, that's true. I mean, it, uh, even the planets in our own solar system, our body shapes would be awful for. Sure. Because of difference in gravity. And, uh, you know, like if, if you're on a place with higher gravity, being on a straight spine on two legs is going to be pretty fucking awful because, you know, like the gravity on this planet's bad for our backs. Well, I mean, think about, think about what happens to astronauts when they're just in, 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 in orbit for a year. Yeah. And that's weightlessness too. So the opposite's true too. You're right. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, 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 in my mind, that debunks the, the possibility that space aliens could have done it. Um, I, I do not think at all. Totally. That it's that it's you know extraterrestrial life that came down to this planet and built these giant structures. I think humanity is just a hell of a lot older than we think it is. Absolutely, I think there's civilizations have have gone and disappeared from memory more than we can imagine. Sure. And so when we so when we define the beginning of of civilization as Mesopotamia, and you know the the the, the, the cradle of civilization being the Middle East, I don't know if that's I don't know if I inherently believe that anymore. Well, and for people listening, this is not that crazy of a theory. Think about this. If I hand you a wax record, you know, like those little wax cones, it wasn't even a record, a little wax cone that they used to record sounds on, would you know what to do with it? No, of course not. No. And that's only from how many years ago? Less than 100? Imagine how much stuff that we've forgotten. Once you lose that, you know, like, or for example, say... um, we look. We know things about the Egyptians. Why do we know things about the Egyptians? Oh, because they left buildings and all of this stuff, you know, with hieroglyphs on it. But if those buildings weren't there, weren't there, would we know anything? Would we even know that they existed? Probably not. Yeah, it's that easy for humanity to forget things that existed, especially when it was pre-written language. Yeah, and I mean, even from that perspective, you know, the, I, I hear the argument of, well, we would have found something. Um, structures or, or or evidence otherwise by them by now, and I don't inherently believe that either. Just because I mean, if you take a, a a standard car for example, and you stick it in the elements in a hundred years, I mean, it's unrecognizable. You know, a house is even worse. You know, a house a house within fifty years is starting to collapse in on itself without maintenance. <laughs> well, that's also assuming a certain arrogance that people would have the same motivations to build things that we do. Absolutely. Just to, I mean, actually, I wouldn't even say that we do that our ancestors did, which was to build things to last. We don't build things to last now. Yeah. So what if the people that existed before, you know, I made the joke about a paper hut earlier, but seriously, what if they thought that the best house to live in was made out of straw? Sure. Do you think you're going to find remnants of straw houses? No. I mean, how many structures of Native American stuff do we have? None. Um, and, and what if the, the and, and that's probably the smarter way to build, actually. So what if this previous generation or generation, this previous civilization 
or civilizations, plural, uh, built things that could easily biodegrade or compost back into the earth. Right. Or, you know, say, say, um, say we are like a repetition of a cycle, right? You know, um, in a hundred years, maybe we'll learn how to take all of this stuff that we've littered the earth and how to reconstitute it back into soil. Sure. You know, maybe our, our, we will advance that far that the plastics that we leave behind will be gone and the metals and we'll only be leaving stuff that biodegrades, like you said. Maybe they figured that out. Maybe that's where we're headed back into a repetition of what they did. There's, I mean, there's no proof of it, but there's no proof that there isn't either. Exactly. So it's, it's, it's worth debating at least. But, but some of the, the proof that, that is in the pudding for me is a lot of these incredibly old structures and the similarities of creation myths. And, and, and take it, I mean, for me, I am the same as you when it comes to religion. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Well, no, screw it. I, religions in my mind are just mostly bullshit. And I think that the parts of them that are true, the, the, the you know, things like some of the creation myth stuff, I mean, obviously, tons of myth and legitimate heap on top of the truth. But I think that there has to be some, some kernel of truth to it, some, some underlying thread that is similar that makes all of these creation myths so, so similar. Well, what's also really important for people to understand about, um, you know, the stories of religion and things like that, you know, like, for example, we'll say the Bible. It wasn't written to be a history book because the idea of a history book didn't exist. Sure. People didn't write things down to remember the facts of things. That's not the way that people's minds work back then because they didn't think that, you know, like this war that happened right now, they didn't think, well, we're going to need, we're going to want to remember that in 50 years. Sure. It just, they didn't think that way. So most of the learning and stuff like that happened was allegorical, at least as far as what was passed down. That's why almost all of them are stories of some sort, because they are passing down some kind of allegorical knowledge. We've lost connection with what those allegories mean because we don't have the, the social cues that the people who were hearing those stories did, which is why you know there's so many holy books have so many different interpretations is because they've lost the anchor to the social cues that they're referencing. So here's an interesting question for you. Um, and, and this one is one I want you to ponder, not just from a, a fantastical perspective, but from a practical one as well. If you could travel back in time, would you? Uh, do I have to interact or would I be invisible? No, you could be entirely invisible, um, but obviously you're limited to the technology of today. So yeah, I totally would. So try, really, risking contamination of the timeline? Only if I was invisible. No, 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 because that's why it would have to be. I can't interact with people. I'd want to go back almost like as a hologram, where I'm unable to change anything. I can only observe it. Interesting. Okay. Um, because I would. I, I also think I hate to say it, but if I did it and I was the only one who could do it, it would probably drive me mad, because I'd see the truth and then see all these people purporting, you know, all these things about history. Even our most factual stuff is probably 10% bullshit because we're guessing. Sure, absolutely. Well, look at dinosaurs. I mean, so much of history is, is, is speculation. I mean, it, let's, let's talk about you know, us knowing for a fact, for example, um, that Hitler is dead. Right. That's, that's what we say. <laughs> now we go back and we go, oh, shit. You know, he, he, died, in, he died at 80 years old in uh, Florida. He just shaved off his mustache. Yeah, and, he, and no one recognized him. And he, ran, and he ran like a taco stand or something. Yeah, and now and now we have the picture of uh, Hitler with a different haircut and a white linen suit walking around Miami. Yeah, with little with little children following him. 
Oh man. Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I had to make it horrifying. We are talking about Hitler. Come on. Yeah, that's true. Well, you're you're so right though. I mean, um the the fact that we started weird meant we got just weirder. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point of this show. I think although I think last week was more raucous, you know, we were kind of messing around more. We're uh, uh I don't want to use the word intellectual, but we're we're thinking a little bit more this week. You know, what's weird, you know what's, what's weird about this week too is we're more serious about way crazier shit. That's <laughs> true. We were talking about snack culture last week. <laughs> this, that's the reason that I want to go past an hour with these because you know the hour is the warm up, and then after that is when things start avalanching into anything else. Sure. You know, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up one of these other cards, and this one's gonna be really difficult for me to explain. Because um, while well, this one is really difficult to explain, <laughs> because it everything I looked up pretty much said something different. This kind of ties into your Atlantis thing. Um, have you heard of Hermes Trismegistus? What the hell? No. Okay, so um, I'm going to preface this by saying once again, I don't know which parts of what I'm about to say are fact and which one are <laughs> woo woo bullshit, and which are a mixture of the two. Because I would watch one thing. I swear to God, I even read this, this. This guy has a Wikipedia page. I even read the Wikipedia page and got confused from the Wikipedia page. It's really difficult to understand who this person was without a whole bunch of other shit that might not be true uh, bleeding into it. It's, it's really weird. So anyways, um, Hermes Trismegistus. Trismegistus means twice great. Oh, thrice great. I'm sorry. Thrice great. Try Magistus. One person, okay, take this with a super grain of salt on YouTube, <laughs> claimed he was the king of Atlantis. But um, one thing that is seems to be somewhat um, verifiable is he actually was the author of a book re- referred to as the Hermetic Corpses. Um, these are the these are the sacred texts of Hermeticism. I'm sure you've heard of Hermeticism. Yes, I have. The, another thing that's kind of hard to explain because it's beyond my knowledge, but essentially hermeticism is, and correct me if you know more about this than I do, it, it asserts that there is one single true theology that threads through all religion, which is kind of what language was just saying, and that the belief of hermeticism actually led us to the creation of science or the practice of science. And they call him thrice great because apparently he practiced alchemy, astrology, and theurgy. Which, from what I could tell, theurgy is kind of, sort of ritual magic. And at the time, he was. This is the time of um, pagans. You know, this is before Christianity and all this stuff. So those three things were considered like the three great knowledges. You know, the three things, three areas of uh, expertise. And he was supposedly great at all of them. It seemed like some people were saying that he wrote these things called the Emerald Tablets, but in some way he's connected to something called the Emerald Tablet. Now, the Emerald Tablet, interesting enough, is original. The oldest source that can be found of the Emerald Tablet is in Arabic, actually. What I saw, it looked like it was a tablet with like basically a poem on it from when I was reading these translations. Isaac Newton did a translation of this. Um, so the Emerald Tablet is connected to the creation of science in some way as well. So all this stuff is not the, I hate to say, not the confusing part. So if you want to go off before I get into the really weird shit, please do. Um, let's just get into the weird shit because the, the stuff I have to contribute is pretty fucking weird too. <laughs> okay. 
Well, um, Christian writers like Giordani Bruno and St. Augustine, they both considered Hermes Trismegistus to be a wise pagan who foresaw Christianity. So this idea of a unifying myth was something that they thought led to Christianity in itself. Now, here's where things get a little interesting. Some people say that um, in the Quran, there's, there's someone who's referred to as Idris, I-D-R-I-S, not the amazing actor Idris Elba, but I assume he's named after this character in some way. And they believe that the Idris is Hermes Trismegistus. Um, some people assert that Idris is the builder of the Great Pyramids of Giza and that Muhammad is one of his descendants. And there are also people who say that Hermes Trismegistus, he preceded most um, what we know, ancient civilizations, and that he is the prototype for the god Thoth in Egypt, and of course, the prototype for the god Hermes. Man. Um, well, <laughs> and I have no idea what of that's true. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like we're just... We're just spiraling down the same rabbit hole somehow. Um, it's kind of amazing how this is all kind of worked out. And there was, there's talk within that. Where my interest for this came in was actually when I was reading uh, City of Glass by Paul Auster way back in the day. And one of the, the, the interesting theories that came out of that was the one... Tree, I mean, it's a work of fiction, obviously. But the one compelling thing, the one interesting thing to me is that there's a true language um, that there's one language that all languages descend from, and that this Hermes Trismegistus was probably in some way linked to that as well. Um, so that one, that one actually kind of strikes a certain chord. I, I remember hearing the name at some point, but I didn't know why. And I think that's where that that where I discovered that. And that sounds a lot like the Tower of Babel. You know, the idea yeah, that the everybody Tower spoke Babel, the same yeah. language. Um, where I found his name was I was watching. Every once in a while, I like to pop on Ancient Aliens, mm -hmm. even though I think almost everybody on there is full of shit. <laughs> they, they almost... The thing, the reason I like watching that show, number one, I think it's produced really well. It's, it's entertaining, yeah. It's really funny. And the pacing for um, the documentary show like that is it's done well. So yeah, you're right. It's very entertaining. And plus, I feel like even though almost everybody on there is kind of full of shit, I kind of love every single one of them because they all kind of seem like really nice people. Yeah. Like and you're all, kooky, but I like you. And they're all a little weird, you know, like they're interesting characters. Like none of them is just a straightforward, boring scientist. They all seem to have this crackpottiness to them, but a very refined crackpottiness um, mm -hmm. in, in a way that you can't help but be entertained by. And I want to read every one of their books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because they, they all have such a unique lexicon. Like, you know, the vernacular is so different from person to person. It's really interesting. Yeah, I think uh, at some point it's going to require at least me, maybe you as well. We have to read in the classic, um, God, what's that guy's name? Eric Von Daniken's uh, Chariot of the Gods. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think we're going to have to read that. <laughs> that is the, that's basically the origin of the ancient alien theory. Oh, man. It's, it's so fun to be able to just like dive into this stuff because even though, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that, and I'm not saying that we're completely unique. I think a lot of people, in fact, uh, think about this stuff similar to how we do is, um, you know, when you watch television shows and stuff like that, or you listen to podcasts about stuff like this, there seems like there's really only three ways that people usually deal with this. Either there are shows where they make fun of this stuff, there are shows where they take it way too seriously and believe all of it, and then there are shows that are dedicated to debunking it. And 
I think the rest of us, the rest of the, the people out there in the world are actually doing what we're doing, which is like, I don't know if this is true. This kind of sounds like bullshit, but it also is kind of cool. <laughs> you know, it's like ghosts. I don't know if ghosts exist, but I kind of like the idea of seeing one. You know, and I think that, that it, it speaks to a very particular part of you and I that we, I, I almost feel closeted in this sense um, in that I don't typically like to talk to people about this because I don't want to seem crazy. Um, but I think you and I feel safe in, in talking about this kind of stuff because we're just, I, I like to wonder, you know, that part of me as a kid never really died. You know, I've, I've been wondering my entire life and I feel like, I feel like everybody at some point realize, or some people, at some point you realize as an adult that, or you think that that wondering means that you're too childish. Um, and I think that's really wrong. Yeah. There's a, when you lose wonder, I think you lose the ability to dream. And the thing about it is for me, and I, I think that well, I can um, safely say that you feel this as well. Is when I find out, you know, if I'm if I'm fascinated by something and then I find out, you know, it's debunked, I'm just as fascinated by the story of the debunking as I am the thing that's been debunked. Oh, in some cases more so, just because of the the fanaticism that, or not the fanaticism, but the dedication that some of these people put into debunking something is incredible. Yeah, and I mean, and if you watch enough of these kind of shows, the debunkers, some of them are just as kooky and fucking weird. As as you know, these you know the the woo woo kooky people, you know, like there's some of them. You look, you're like, are you aware that you didn't comb your hair? Yeah, I mean, why do you think we? I mean, I'm sure you love the show too as well, but I loved MythBusters for that same reason. Oh yeah, MythBusters, Unsolved Mysteries. I mean, these are all the patron saints of this show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a heck of a pantheon. We got to make a Mount Rushmore of the show at some point. Yeah, well, I think what we should do at some point is what I want to start doing on the Holy Fool website. I was going to do this just related to creative minds, but I think it would be really appropriate to do stuff for this show too. Is I don't know about you, pretty sure I can say that you agree with me on this as well. I love lists. And I just thought it'd be cool to start blogging lists, you know, like, um, you know, for creative minds, it'd probably be, you know, like, uh, you know, 20, 20 best, most impactful documentaries. And then something like this would be like, you know, craziest movies about UFOs, you know, not even documentaries, <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, like getting out there and having fun and enjoying, you know, because I feel like that's if, if people are listening to the show and they're like us, I would love to find those lists. And because I, I mean, just we found that list on that Twitter and I was excited about that. You know, and, and just to go back to the old, old version of the show, if there's anybody on this planet that's a space alien, it's Robert Stack. Yeah. Or a cyborg. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He might be an alien cyborg. Was, God yeah, rest his soul. Yeah, uh, we lost a good one there. I, I, You know, this is the thing that's extraordinary about Robert Stack. He was so very serious and so perfect for that show. And at the same time, kind of terrible at his job. <laughs> kind of terrible. He had like no emotion in his narration at all. He was completely monotone. And he would pronounce words wrong all the time, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable all of the time. I mean, worse than Christopher Walken. Oh, man. This is why I think he's a space alien, man. I just thought of something brilliant. Uh Uh-oh. If they ever brought back Unsolved Mysteries, Walken should host it. Ah, that'd be amazing. So there's this guy in the woods, and he sees this creature. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, can you imagine the narration for that show? Holy shit, that would sell like fucking hotcakes. Oh man, I would watch the shit out of that show. To hear Chris Walken talking about ghosts, oh man, <laughs> that's that's pure magic. Well, do you remember he was in a in a UFO movie? It was called um, shit. What? what was it called? It was the one. It was the story of those people that were in a cabin, and then the aliens kept taking them at night. It's based on a supposedly based on a true story book. Shit, what was it called? I want to say it was called The Watchers, but no. It had the big gray alien's head on the cover. I don't remember that at all. I have to look it up right now. It, it was actually a pretty good movie if I remember. Okay, talk about something while I look that up. Um, I'm, I'm still... I'm, I'm itching to watch this new season of Doctor Who. Um, and I'm, I was, my next question was going to be if you had seen any of it yet. No, I'm still I'm I'm back on season nine, which I will say right now. I I told you this in text, but I'll say it on the show. I didn't like the first two seasons of Capaldi's Doctor. Um, I didn't think that him and Jenna Coleman gelled very well, and I don't feel like him and the writers. The writing was just off. It never. It wasn't bad. It just never came to life. And this season nine, I was like, oh, I see who your Doctor is now. He like it took a while for him to warm up into the role, which is unfortunate because. It only gets two more seasons, but um, I can't wait to see the new Doctor. Number one, um, what's her name? Jody Whitaker. Jody, I believe so. Yeah, I've I'm, I have a, I've had a crush on her for years. She was great in. Um, wow, I'm having trouble remembering things tonight. Usually, I pull this stuff out of the, the show that she did with David Tennant, um, where he was oh, the cop and awesome. the town. She was the mother of the of the murdered child. Yeah, what the heck was the name of it? They, they remade it in America called Grace Point. Yeah. Um, Church, church, something church. Mm. Um, I'll look that up too. <laughs> I'm on walking right now. So it was in the 80s. Yeah, it sounds like something that would come out of the 80s. It was, it was this, it was a book. It was like a, it, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's what kicked in the whole regression therapy thing when it came to abduction. It was because of this book and communion. That's what it was called. Oh, communion. That movie freaked me out. Yeah, Christopher Walken's the oh, lead in I that. I remember that one. I don't remember Chris Walken in it, man. I remember that movie scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. Yeah, so that we might need to find that and rewatch that. And that's a, that'll be fun too. It'll be for us to find these gems and go back and watch them. Ugh. Because you know, there's no reason we can't talk about that kind of stuff on air too. Oh man, can, I, I remember one lasting effect of communion is that it made me terrified of the Greys for a long time. Yeah, that movie is pretty freaky. I mean, they did a pretty good job from what I remember. Um, you know, that's, that's up there. The classics of that time period where there was also fire in the sky. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good one too. That's a weird movie. Have you watched that recently? No, I haven't seen it recently. It's like two different movies glued together. It's really strange. It's, it's literally like, I don't even know how to just explain it. Broadchurch. That was the show that, um, that she was on. Right. Yeah. 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 I feel like those movies like fire in the sky and communion kind of paved the way for, for, Less sci-fi and more horror-y um, kind of alien movies. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that uh, there's scenes in Fire in the Sky where he's E.B. Sweeney, I think is the name of the actor, where he's like in the pod and he's waking up and he's like in this gel, which yeah, is like yeah, this yeah, insect yeah. pod. Yeah. And that's, that's comp- or the, the surgery scenes in that movie, very well executed for the time. Very well executed, I will say. Sure. So, uh, yeah, it is Jodie Whittaker too, by the way, her name. Mm-hmm. So I feel like um, this, it's pretty appropriate to look up things during this show, considering that 
If we didn't, we'd really be talking about nothing. <laughs> Every once in a while, we have to verify at least one fact. Well, we've gone we've gone to ancient humans um, and Chris Walken doing unsolved mysteries, which I think would be an app just for a season. Even if he just gives us six episodes, I would be down with that. Oh, it'd be so good. These are the tales of unsolved mysteries. Please, Netflix, somebody get on that. <laughs> okay. uh, even if it's uh, what's that? Funny or die? Even yeah, if they yeah, did. Yeah. True. Did you see the, the Funny or Die? They did like a GI... I think it was Funny or Die. They did a GI Joe. Recently? Not too recently. No, I don't remember. Um, I stumbled across it. I can't remember. I think it was because uh, Olivia Wilde is um, the Baroness in one of them or something like that. I didn't watch a bunch of them, but the thing that I found the most entertaining and at the same time, super entertaining, but also probably one of the best casting calls that I've ever seen is... Guess who they had played Duke? Just take a guess. Who do you think is the most? Who do you think is the best person to play Duke? Huh? Bruce Willis? No. How about this? Henry Rollins. Oh wow! Yeah, sure. I saw the picture and I'm like, oh my god, that is Duke. <laughs> 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 he, he, he is Duke. He already was Duke. He's got the hair. <laughs> I mean, it's not blonde, but it just fits. Yeah, he has that chiseled jawline that you would expect. Yeah. Yeah, with the little with the little divot. Yeah. I love Henry Rollins. Yeah, as do I. What is he doing these days? I haven't, I haven't heard from him in a long time. Well, you know, he's always writing and traveling and stuff, but uh, he has a podcast and you should probably check it out. It only comes out like once every month or two or three sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, because he's moving around a lot and stuff. But it's him and it's basically like this, but it's him and his um, personal assistant, uh, Heidi. Mm-hmm. I think the show's called Henry and Heidi. I've only listened to one episode, but what's great about it is literally... They just sit down and she's like, tell me stories about this. And he just tells stories. The one I listened to was all of his stories about Lemmy. Interesting. It's, it's really awesome, actually. I was, I was really, really pleased. Henry's just like such a genuine person. Actually, um, well, nobody listens to this show really yet, so I can say this. Um, one of the people I just interviewed for Creative Minds has interviewed Henry Rollins before. Awesome. And was just telling me what an awesome person he is. Huh, that's amazing. Yeah. Really cool. Did you see the did you see the artwork that I did for last episode? Yeah, what was that? Okay, so this is this is pretty cool. I so I was trying to find like a really weird look for the show to fit appropriate. So I have the, like, these little watercolor squares that are like uh four by four. So what I what I did with that one is I just drew something and then you know did it with watercolors. Then I took a picture of it and then I ran it through that oilist app. Huh. Just to make it even weirder. Yeah, it worked out really cool. I like it. Yeah, that did work out really well. So I think I'm going to roll with that for these. Although every time I'm like, that's one of the reasons I've been avoiding doing that Hitler card because I don't want to do a picture of Hitler for the cover (laughs) of one of our episodes. You know, like that one is like a really bad picture of David Lynch with uh, the flat earth behind him. (laughs) I was going to guess that was Lynch. I didn't know that was Lynch actually. So no, it doesn't really look like him, but that's that's okay. I'm not trying to be well, it looks um, it looks enough like him that for a moment I was just like, is that David Lynch? And then I and then I figured it was you, so I assumed it was David Lynch. Oh, I forgot I gave him a third eye too. Yeah. Um but yeah, so I mean I'm trying I'm trying to put them out fast so that you know I'm not overthinking it and trying to but maybe if we ever get if we ever get um listeners, if we get a lot of listeners, maybe someday if we collect a lot of these things, we can uh give them to patrons or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. 
Uh, speaking of art, I'm diving back into doing some uh, guerrilla art again. Um, the, the recent Banksy thing kind of inspired me, so I'm feeling I'm feeling like I'm going to do some some subversive stuff in the near future. I'm glad you used the word subversive there because <laughs> in the context of, guru, of of Banksy and the word gorilla, you could have meant gorilla with the G-U-E or G-O-R-R-I-L-L-A. That's true. true. I was like, yeah. is he planning on drawing lots of giant lots apes? Of gorillas, just huge apes everywhere. <laughs> that would be amazing, actually. <laughs> uh, did, you see, did you see that uh, the Sotheby's thing with uh, Banksy? No. How did you miss that? Oh, you're gonna love. I don't look at the news. That's how. Oh, so basically, he he had an original that he rigged with a shredder in it, um, and then a paper shredder. Yeah, like an actual shredder. So basically, what happened was it went to auction at Sotheby's, and Sotheby's ended up um, the winning bid was like 1.4 million or something like that, and he had it on a remote control so that the moment the gavel hit. And everyone was congratulating fucking hand. It shredded itself. Oh my god, that's brilliant! It was genius. It was awesome. I mean, it, he said it broke um, because it didn't shred the entire painting; it only shredded like three quarters of it. But can you imagine? <laughs> like that's the most expensive confetti ever made. You have to see the video. It's astounding. Like all of these people sitting in Sotheby's, just absolutely stunned. <laughs> it was amazing. Do you think he's one person? Yes, I think originally he was one person. I think he's he's got a whole team now. I mean, he's he's got to be up to 15, 20 people. Yeah, because he seems to be everywhere. Yeah, plus on top of that, some of his installations are so vast and grand that I don't think one person could have pulled it off. He's like an he's like anonymous. Yeah. Speaking of which, what what happened to those guys? Who knows? They'll they'll be back. They're probably I mean, if they're smart about it, they they would never reveal themselves ever again. I feel like this is this is uh, this political climate that they would be having a field day. Instead, they've been pretty silent. Maybe maybe they are having a field day and they're staying silent about it. Hmm. Interesting. It's that, it, that it's that old. I forget what which Chinese philosopher or general or whoever it may not even be Chinese. I'm just pulling that out of my ass at this point. But <laughs> it's the it's that old adage of power revealed is power relinquished. That does sound like a Chinese proverb. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? That's probably why I went there. <laughs> Confucius. Confucius says. I feel like it'd be like somebody like Sun Tzu or Lao Tzu, though, like one of those war guys. Do you remember those awful Confucius says jokes from when we were kids? Yeah, of course. Man with itchy butt wakes up with smelly finger. Yeah. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one that always immediately pops up. Pops, pops in my mind. There's also man who farts in church sits in, a, sits in his own pew. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Or a man who uh, who gets lost in uh, uh, airport turnstile in Thailand uh, ends up in Bangkok. <laughs> I love those things. I, mean, I, I hope those are those aren't offensive, like culturally offensive, are they? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. And maybe they are. I don't know. Maybe there's a, a Chinese person out there that that feels like we're appropriating Confucius for that. But I didn't add Confucius in the ones that I said. So just add your philosopher there. Yeah, to be honest, those jokes don't rely on Confucius to make them funny at all. So I yeah, think no, they can't be offensive. Nor, yeah, nor do they rely on a, a racial thing of any kind. Yeah, it could be, you know, uh, Ron McDonald says, man, I go to bed with itchy butt, wake up with smelly finger. Still pretty exactly. funny. Exactly. You have to be careful with so many things you say now because unfortunately, we grew up in a generation where nobody thought about this shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, our automatic way of talking sometimes, and then we go, oh, wait, damn, I'm not supposed to say that. That's rude. 
And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's good that we learn these things, but it's a long learning process. Yeah, but there's there's a part of me that feels like like there's always an overcorrection. You know what I mean? And I feel like we're in the overcorrection phase. So I feel like I feel like there will be a return to civility at some point where obviously we're not going to say anything heinous that hurts anyone else's feelings or impedes upon the rights the rights of another person. But by that same token, man, we got to laugh more as a society, man. Well, yeah, totally. And I, th- I think that, you know, it's, I think it's just a matter of, like you said, it's people are drawing lines like, okay. And then after you have the line drawn, then you can be forgiving about trespassing. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I'll use something from my own culture. Uh, Italians, right? You know, like, number one, I, I never grew up in a generation where Dago or Guinea or WAP or any of those things were actually offensive to me because they were so long gone as offensive things toward, toward Italian people. Um, but, you know, like, say that was offensive still. So, you know, and, and people have been getting away with it for a long time. And then now Italian people are going, nope, not acceptable not acceptable then after a while where everybody understands like okay don't call him a guinea he hates it when you call him a guinea then when somebody accidentally says something that kind of crosses the line you go hey oh well i could see you didn't mean mean to say that so okay it's cool sure and that's kind of how i see it i think you're right you know but it's it's difficult being for people listening it's difficult putting out content uh free form content right now I was listening to... Have you ever listened to the last podcast on the left? Yes, I have. I haven't in a long time, but I have. Okay. I, I went back because I'd, I'd never listened to it. I started listening to it recently. I ended up there because I listened to Wizard and the Bruiser, which is another show on that network, which is a great show, by the way. But anyways, I went back and I started listening to it from the beginning. Holy crap. That wasn't that long ago. It was like 2014 or 15 when they started that show. Mm-hmm. They got away with saying shit that you can't say now. Um, I'm going to... Let's see if I can say some of these things without the the R word that we call mentally challenged people. Mm-hmm. They said that word a lot. I mean, a lot. They did a lot of um, really bad Asian accents, a lot of bad uh, Mexican accents, like a lot of really like not acceptable stuff. But I guess maybe in 2014, 2015, it was uh, still people didn't um, publicly. That's a good point to make too. They didn't get publicly pissed off. They probably just got privately pissed off. Yeah, it's weird how how quickly things can change. I think the escalating political and social cultures um, diverging as hard as they are right now makes that much much more pronounced as well. Well, it's social media too, right? Sure. Because I can I can tell you to fuck off in four seconds from something you said, whereas before it was like, oh, are you mad enough to write me a letter? Oh, true. Good point. Yeah. Because I'm not going to hear about it unless you write me the letter. And if you don't take the time to write me a letter, then I'm just going to keep doing it because yeah. I don't know. That's definitely true about social media. Like it makes the world much more reactionary. Oh, yeah. And before we veer, in, veer into politics, we'll just say, yeah, totally true. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, you people out there listening, are you guys following Lamb and I on Twitter? Because you should, because just because we want you to. <laughs> I'm gonna say I haven't. I, I don't tweet nearly as often as I should, but I think I'm gonna dive back in. And since I want to get out of the political game for a little bit, I'm gonna start tweeting random stuff. So that'll be good. You did tweet something the other day. I saw it. I was like, oh look, Lamb's alive. Yeah, something about candy. It's so funny how how we determine the 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 the, the aliveness of our friends by how often they're on social media. Well, I think um, 
the reason I always bring up Twitter, it's weird because I always go back to Twitter. Um, number one, Facebook, as much as work as they do, Facebook is just too much. It's too much fucking work, man. Just like going on to there, even the mobile site, there's so much stuff coming at you and like so many different feeds and things to click and go over here and look at this. And it's like, it's exhausting. And then Instagram is completely useless for anything that's not visual. Sure. So if if you want to, you know, have fun and if you want to share an article, you want to do something like that, Twitter's still the best damn place for that. Yeah, by far too. Um, and also, also Reddit, but you got to invest more in Reddit. Um, but I feel like I wish that Reddit and like Twitter would like have some kind of integration or something like that, you know? Yeah, I... I don't think I think Twitter has kind of just locked everybody out though. That's just the way it's been. Yeah, because they were scared fucking everything was tanking on them. Um and it's understandable. It's understandable because they used to be equals with Facebook and now Facebook is like this behemoth. And I I still even though like I went back, you know, I went back and I I went back uh, to reconnect with people and I have to some degree. I, I can't go back there very often. I can't go to Facebook every day. It literally, it, it emotionally exhausts me. Yeah, I mean, I'll be real with you. I mean, if it wasn't for the fact that I was doing political stuff, I would never be on Facebook. And even as it stands, I'm on Facebook maybe twice a week, maybe. And I wonder, I wonder if there's, if that's just a, a how, how Twitter kind of established itself and that's how and why we use Twitter that way. Um, or if it's just, universally I, I don't know i can't figure out why that works so much better on twitter i've been thinking about that actually well twitter's really close to text message sure and that, i think that's what it is it's like so text message is like this acceptable form of communication for most of us i prefer text message to phone call and twitter is really damn close to that facebook is not sure they try to be but then you've got like 15 buttons i mean look at what they've done to instagram over time there's so many damn buttons on the screen on Instagram. The design's just better. So it's not as stressing. Sure. That makes sense. I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep up with all this shit, to be honest. Um, another thing well, I'm going to mention to listeners that I just put out today that I told Lamb about earlier, you guys uh, should be subscribed to the newsletter, the Holy Fool newsletter. Cause um, basically it's, it's called gemology. And, uh, I put it out once a month as this once a week shit that people do is too much. I don't read once, once a week newsletters either once a month, a month and all of the weird shit that I run across that I think is cool. I'm trying to filter that in there. It'll basically uh, the best books I've read that month, the best movies I've watched, uh, the best TV show or the most interesting. I don't even describe why I'm sharing those things. I just give you the link so that it's easy for you to rip through them. Um, any interesting videos or articles that I run across, I'll put in there too. As we start going through some of the weirder stuff, some of that will, some of the best stuff will be filtered in there. I think I have a podcast in today's episode about Bigfoot. Um, but then uh, I think the Reddit is just going to be where I, Reddit and Twitter are going to be where I drop the majority of stuff. You know, not the best, just everything. <laughs> and then hopefully, uh, Lamb, you will start you know, shoveling some stuff for me too. Speaking of interesting and aliens um, and creativity, um, I'm just going to tie them all together and, and alien movies. Have you seen uh, A Quiet Place? No. Ooh, check that one out. That sounds familiar, but I can't place what it is. 
Um, it's uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Um, and I won't tell you the premise of the movie just because it kind of ruins it. Just definitely watch it if you can. Okay. And everybody listening, go watch it too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fascinating one. You, just when you think you can't make an alien movie that's different, someone does. And Krasinski was the writer on it too. So it's, it's a fascinating piece of, piece of film. Oh, man. It is, it, and the one thing about doing these at night is my energy starts to dwindle after a while. Yeah, I'm starting to wane a little bit too, and I feel like I feel like that's how we're going to call these shows is when we when we physically feel like we can't go any further. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at the end of the line right now. Yeah, I'm pretty hungry and I'm fairly sleepy as well. All right, guys, this was a uh, completely different than last week. They're all going to be completely different because we don't plan these. It's a conversation, and when you talk to somebody once a week, it's always going to be different. So I hope you guys are enjoying these. If you are, tell other people about it. Because we're doing this, I'm not going to shell out $500 to advertise a podcast. That's just bullshit. I'd rather grow it the, the natural way, trusting on you guys. So spread it, um, share it on your social medias. That's, that's a big one for other people to find it. And uh, you can always message, email at uh, holyholyfool at gmail.com. And then uh, you can message Lamb and I on our social media accounts. My social media accounts are the accounts for Holy Fool. Lam, tell them your social media accounts. Mine are literally just all at the vacant room. And that's uh, Instagram, Twitter, yep. Reddit? Pretty much everything, yeah. And then Twitter for Holy Fool is Holy Holy Fool. And then you can just search for Holy Fool Productions on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's Holy Fool Productions, all one word. We're going to play around with the websites more. Make sure you go and if you're not subscribed to this show, subscribe. If you really dig it and you want us to keep pushing ourselves on this, um, maybe you should rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. Um, Also, we have Patreon. So it would be super cool if you enjoy this and maybe you're already a listener of Creative Minds and you want to help support Holy Fool because um, basically I spend $200 a month on these podcasts. Uh, for all the services and stuff that I use. And that just comes out of the goodness of my heart and because I love doing this stuff. But if you guys want to help me do that so that I can stick around longer, so Lamb and I can talk longer and keep this show going and maybe do some other cool stuff, uh, that would be awesome for you to go over to patreon.com slash Productions. Okay, my mouth is dry. I need water. I love you, Lamb. Love you too, man. Oh, <laughs>